Welcome to Family Life Today, presented in cooperation with this station by Power to Change. We hope today's program will give you something to reflect on and to encourage you in your relationships. Our hosts are Dave and Ann Wilson. So according to Barna, guess what percentage of Christians struggle with doubt in their faith? My first thought, and maybe it's coming out of my own personal experience, <laughs> is it's pretty high. I think it's pretty high. I wouldn't have guessed that it's 65%. It? 65%? Yeah. Yeah, I would say at least that. And then listen to this, millennials, 38% currently experience about twice as much doubt as any of the other generational groups. And then 23% of Gen Xers, 19% of boomers, and 20% of elders. Here, here's what I would want to know. And we've got in our studio a woman I think can answer this question. Nikki <laughs> Koziars is back with us. Uh, welcome back to Family Life Today. Thanks for having me. And I, I'm, I'm guessing you're sort of quoting maybe some stats from her book, yes. Flooded, yes. which is the five decisions that we all need to make. And you write about, you know, Noah. Do you think he never doubted? I mean, he, he listened, he obeyed God. We get that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the Bible doesn't always give us the nuances mm -hmm. of in between you know, as he's walking to go get another piece of wood and build this ark, is he yeah. thinking, what in the world am I doing? Again, I'm not saying he did or didn't. Yeah. But when we go through hard times, doubt, well, you put it in the subtitle. Like, mm -hmm. what do we do with that? So we don't in the scriptures see Noah specifically say anything, actually, until the very end of the story where he speaks blessings and curses at the same time. Okay. But because Noah had a wife and he had children and he was human, he was not Jesus. Let's think about what it was like when Noah came home and told his wife about this assignment. Okay. I mean, I think it would be safe to assume she wasn't like, sure, this sounds amazing. You're going to build a boat and everyone's going to die. Also. Okay. If that's not enough, he had children, and these most likely were young adult teenage age because they were entering into marriage themselves. There was no grandchildren at this point, so it's safe to assume, you know, they were around the same age as my teenagers, okay? Mm. I don't know if you've been around teenagers recently, <laughs> but they are not the kindest people in the world, and if you bring an idea that sounds anything uncool or dumb or out there... Their reaction is not like, yeah. Or all my friends are going to die. Yeah. Thanks, Dad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so think about the people in his community when, you know, it says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. You know, there's a lot of debate about whether or not anyone else was going to be able to come into the ark because God did give him the command that it would only be his wife and their sons and their wives. Okay. So that. And let's just say, too, the days must have been incredibly wicked. Yes. For this to be going on, yeah. for God to come up with this decision. These were not moral, mm -mm. good, gracious people mm -mm. at that point. No. No. Noah and his family were, but I'm just saying yeah. the rest. You know, whether or not Noah was telling, you know, like, hey, this is the purpose of this ark, he was preaching, you know, something bad is going to happen and we need to be prepared for this. And so think about the naysayers in his community, like, <laughs> like in Noah over there building that dumb ark, like there was no immediate water like around him, right? It's not like he was going to push it out into the ocean. Um, but I like that point. He's evangelizing. Yeah. He's trying to convert people to the Build it in yeah. a week. No, a hundred years. I mean, this is a long yeah. time. A lot of doubt can rise up. Yeah. Think about 
all of the community, the family, I mean, the kids, like, just doing it just because, you know, a lot of hard situations that he was walking through. So he at least had doubt thrown at him. You know, I don't know what it was like for him to wrestle with God and to say, you know, God, I don't know if I heard you write about this or not, because, again, we don't have that in the scriptures. But but there's something about, as we talked about yesterday, when it says that Noah walked with God, mm. there must have been a depth in intimacy with his walk with God that was pretty astounding for yeah. him to be so faithful for a hundred years <laughs> building an ark. Yeah. And yeah. you went to the ark encounter. I did. Yes. What was that like in Kentucky? Oh, my goodness. You know, when we first pulled in, um, they were so gracious to give us like this behind the scenes tour. And, you know, our study trip was just really deep with them, the, the people at the ark encounter sat down with me. I had tons of questions for them. And and they did that because you were writing this book? Yes. Yeah. We reached out to them. My publisher did. And I just remember the first time I stood at the bottom of the ark and realized like the massiveness of this assignment. I mean, it's four stories high. I mean, think about the building that we're in right now, two football fields long. And the people at the Ark Encounter, you know, they've taken a lot of creativity, you know, just what they would think, you know, where the animals would go and the water system and things like that. But all of those things had to be thought through. And so I was overwhelmed when I was there. Hmm, like, I bet. Just thinking about the detail. And, you know, one of the things that God's teaching me right now is that he's a God who is very intentional. Like there are no coincidences with God. He, When he says something, when he gives you a plan, it's with great intention. When I was looking at just all the intentional details, you think through like, oh, yeah. Like, I mean, we have this farm, right? It takes me 30, 40 <laughs> minutes just to feed 10, 20 animals every single day, right? Think about 3,000 animals that they had to feed and water in their poop. I mean, it had to smell <laughs> horrible on that ark. And the food for his family. I mean, so many details that he would have to think all the way through with that. I'm thinking when you said that, I thought of Psalm 139, where God knits us together yes. in our mother's womb. And as God was knitting Noah, he put in him everything that he would need intellectually, physically, in order to build this ark. Yeah. And I think of us as listeners, as people walking with Jesus, the things that you're walking through, whether it's doubt, whether you've lost someone, the hard transitions that maybe you're walking through, God knew when he knit you together what you would face, and he's mm -hmm. equipped you to face that. That's right. And not only to face it, but to walk through it in victory if we can walk closely as Noah did with God. Mm -hmm. You wrote in your subtitle, The Five decisions that help us get through life when it's hard, you know, when doubt is rising. We talked yesterday, walk with God, mm -hmm. again, from Noah's life, listen to God. Here we are. Decision number three is rise above the doubt. Mm -hmm. I've struggled with doubt. Help me rise above. I'm guessing some of our listeners have struggled, maybe are right now, just yeah. in a period of their life where they're gripped with doubt. How do we rise above? Well, let's go back to Noah because he's the best teacher on this. When God um, told Noah, when he, he, it actually says that he invited him into the ark. Okay, that's a beautiful reflection of what God does with us. He, it, he doesn't force us in. He doesn't push us in. He invites us into his presence, right? So God invites Noah into the ark. And then this is one of my favorite parts of the biblical account of Noah. We see that Noah is standing at this door. 
And this for me would have been the hardest part of all of this, right? Like, yeah, building the ark was incredibly hard. Convincing his family to come on there had to be a struggle. But then he's in this place where he really sees the water starting to come and he sees the rain. This is the part where, can we just be real for a second? This is not a children's story. Like I decorated my daughter's nursery and the Noah and the ark theme. Like nothing says sweet dreams like mass destruction worldwide, right? Like not a children's nighttime story. Exactly. But think about it. The screams that he would be hearing from his neighbors, the people running to the ark because they realized like he really did know. Closing the door to the ark would have been the hardest thing for, I I feel like for a human to see Mm. all the people and to hear the cries. And it says that the Lord shut him in. And I thought that is such God's kindness in this story. Because see, we can look at this story and we can say, this is just mean. Like, why would God, you know, just wipe out humanity like this? It just, it feels mean. But this is where we see that it's either we can see God's meanness or we can see God's mercy. And so he closes the door. He does the hardest part of that assignment. And that is a beautiful reflection of what Jesus did on the cross. He already did the hardest part for us. Okay. So when we come into the ark, which is our salvation, that moment where we invite Jesus to live inside of us and we decide to follow after him for the rest of our lives, the hardest part is done. Mm. But then it's up to us to access the power and the authority that is in the ark, the, the salvation, right? So as Noah's in the ark and all of this doubt is outside of the ark and the ark starts to rise and I'm sure the scream stopped. And it continues to rise and it continues to rise and it continues to rise and rise and rise. And we see that Noah is in this place where everything that tried to knock him down to discourage him from believing and trusting in God is no longer there. He's in that ark and he's safe and he's rising and rising and rising. And when we start to think about our hard seasons and the things that try to knock us down when it comes specifically to doubt, we've got to make that decision that we're going to come into the ark and we're going to declare God's power and his authority and his goodness and his mercy over our lives and decide to stay put and just keep rising. Some days it's really hard. Let's just be really honest. But remember, God shut that door. You don't have to shut that door. He already did the hardest part. And now our job is to stand in the ark and to keep rising above the things that want to sink us. You know, it's interesting when I hear you describe it that way, which is such a beautiful way to describe it. I never really thought the way you just, Mm -hmm. I mean, I never thought about hearing screams. I did. I've never thought of that, which Mm -hmm. is a whole other, you know, dimension of the story. But here's what just hit me is often to rise above the doubts. I don't feel like I have it in me. Mm-hmm. But if I put myself in Christ, mm-hmm. in the ark, in mm-hmm. a sense, mm-hmm. he rises us That's up. Right. It's That's like, good, just trust me, hold on to me. I'll take care of your doubts. That's You're right. not going to be able to muster it up right. with enough intellectual knowledge. or It's just like, would you just cling to me? I'll rise you. Because, I mean, when you said that, what I saw is like, oh, okay, Noah's just in the ark where he's supposed to be. 
God lifted him above. So in some sense, that's how we rise Mm -hmm. in Christ. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we've got three decisions down. The fourth one is remember who's in charge. Mm -hmm. You know, in our Christian culture, we're big on saying things like God is in control. And he is. He is sovereign over everything. But I think when we think about control from a human perspective, we think of it like, I'm going to move this bottle here and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And it's like grabbing hold of things, right? Like in control. But I have really been challenged, especially through that season, because a lot of people said that to me, like, God is in control. And absolutely, he was, but I was not feeling it, okay? And so I did one little shift in my mind. My husband is a cross-country coach in our little town. And one of the things that I always find very interesting is he goes out there with this plan and he'll tell his athletes, he's like, okay, you got to go out this time. You got to do this. You got to do that. Like he presents the plan to them, right? But they're teenagers and we're really being harsh on the teenagers, but we love them. But you know, they get out there and they're like, I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. And so they take off and they don't go the right pace and they're not, you know, hydrated or things like that. And then they get to the end of the race and they come up to my husband. They're like, oh man, coach, what did I do wrong? And he's like, I gave you the plan and you didn't follow it. When we think about God being in charge, like God has the plan. He has already designed everything out. But God is not moving us around like puzzle pieces or chess, like we're not in a chess game. And he is sovereign. He is seeing over everything. But he gives us options. Can I just say that? Like sometimes God will be like, okay, well, you could do this job or you could do this job. Like I think sometimes we get it all messed up in our heads that we think God only has this one way to do everything. But when we remember that God is in charge of the plan, but we're in control of our obedience, that's when the shift starts to happen in our faith because he gives us the plan through his word. He gives us options, but then it's up to us to remember that he's in charge, but we've got to obey. What did that look like for you as you were going through this doubt, the grieving, that hard spell? Again, this is where it comes back to that place where our questions for God are okay, but the questioning of God becomes dangerous. And this was one of those places where, you know, I would find myself coming before God in prayer going, this is wrong. He's got these three kids. We're going to have all these struggles, all these issues. Like, I don't understand this. And we start to kind of tell God, hey, this would have been my plan. This would have been my agenda. Like, oh, Lord, here it is. Bless it. Right. And or if you would have healed them, you could have gotten so much glory. So much glory, God. Oh, yes, I mm-hmm. prayed that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we have to remember, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about before, that there are things on this side of eternity that will never make sense to the human mind. The ark and Noah's biblical account is one of those things where, you know, we talk about the screams and things like that. That may never make sense to us, but we have to trust that God has a bigger picture in mind. It's kind of like when you're flying You know how when you look out the window, you look down and you see how small earth really is and how small we really are? Like, I hope I never lose that perspective because when God is looking down on earth, he sees the whole picture and the whole story and he's got the whole plan. When we remember that he's in charge of the plan, I'm in control of my obedience, It I don't want to say it settles our soul. But it can help us to continue to do what he tells us to do because we don't get to that place of unbelief and just go, well, you didn't follow my plan, God, so I'm out. (laughs) 
So walk us through the last decision. Find the familiar faithfulness of God. Yeah, this is my favorite part. So after Noah goes through this long year on this ark, a lot of people get confused and they think it was only 40 days and 40 nights. He was on there for a whole year. When Noah gets to the point where he's like, okay, maybe we're done here. It's time, you know, to start figuring out what's next. This is the part of the text that I really enjoyed studying because this is the part we don't see God come to Noah and give him these very specific instructions. And this is where I kind of go back to that concept of sometimes he gives us options. Noah was a smart guy. He knew how to figure some things out. So Noah knows that he needs to send out these birds and he starts with the raven and then he sends out the dove and the dove is the one that brings back the olive branch and he knows it is time to come out of the ark. But let's think about this because let's just go back to the pandemic because I think that's one we can all identify with even still. Those two weeks when we were all in that total lockdown and it was time to come back out, it was weird, right? Yeah. yeah. Like we would go to the grocery store and like nobody was looking at each other. We're walking down certain sides of the aisle yes, that are those arrows. Yeah. <laughs> I was on the wrong side every time. <laughs> Me too. Or I'd turn the wrong way and I'm like, oh, I gotta go the other yeah. way. When we went back to church, it was really weird. Like, do we hug? Do we, you know, handshake? Like nothing felt really familiar. In fact, I would say it still doesn't totally feel like it did in 2019, right. right? Like it feels really uncomfortable. But think about Noah when he was coming out of the ark and looking at this world. I mean, we just talked about the whole earth was covered in water. When a flood happens, it destroys everything. So there were no mountains, there were no trees, there was no green grass. Like I always had this picture that Noah opened up the ark and it was like this pretty rainbow and the sun and green pastures. Yeah, that's what it shows in the little kids book. (laughs) Right, right. But no, there was none of that. It was all mud. And so he's looking out and then the reality settles in that his neighbors are gone, his family is gone, his nieces and nephews, his cousins, his uncles. Everyone is gone, and life as he knew it was totally different. And he's looking out, and I'm so challenged by Noah's first reaction, because you want to know the first thing that he did? He builds an altar, and he begins to sacrifice and worship God. I don't know when I go through something hard that that's my first reaction. Mm -hmm. My first reaction tends to be like, I'm going to sit here and cry, and I'm going to be really upset, and, you know, maybe watch too much Netflix or, (laughs) you know, things like that. But what a picture for us of when we go through something hard and to come out on the other side to get to that place of worship and sacrifice before God. And I think that Noah knew Again, we don't see God command him to do that, but he knew I got to get in the presence of God. And that's was how he was going to do it. And so as he did that, you know, we see the rainbow and the promises and everything starts to come to full circle with the story. But he's still left with the reality of what is still to come, this whole new life that he's going to have to build. And, you know, when I think about losing my mom and my brother and then my dad moved away shortly after that, Hmm. that's what the last few years have been like. God, none of this feels familiar. None of this feels right. None of this feels normal. I just want to be a family again. I just want to, you know, have one more Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. One, sorry, one more Christmas. And God just keeps reminding me, get back to my familiar faithfulness, because that's where the healing and the wholeness is. And so as a human, we're going to long for those things while we're here on this earth. 
It's not going to go away, but God's presence, it never leaves us, but it's up to us to find it in every season. I'm just wondering if you would just close by praying for us. Like there's so many that are listening that are probably thinking, that's where I am. I just have nothing and I need to do that. So will you pray for them? Yeah. So God, we thank you for Noah's legacy that he has left for us to follow. And I just pray over the listener right now who is looking into the future and it just feels really hopeless. And they're craving that familiar place, whether it's a person or a place or a job or something that has been part of their life and it is no more. And they're just craving that. God, I pray that right now you would step down and you would fill that craving with your presence. Mm -hmm. And Lord, I pray that you would remind us that it is our decision to get into your presence and that we have to do our part, God, but that you are always faithful to meet us when we do our part and we show up in your presence. Lord. God, I pray that you would continue to use the biblical account of Noah to encourage us. Um, I'm reminded of the verse in Matthew that it says that Jesus will return as it was in the days of Noah. And Lord, I'm just going to be honest, it feels a little bit like we're heading in that direction right now. But Lord, I pray that we would not be discouraged and that we would find strength in your presence and in your power and obeying and walking with you, Lord. Thank you that no matter what comes our way, we can always return back to your presence. And I just pray that you would give every one of us today that certainty and that presence that comes when we enter into a place of worship and sacrifice before you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. To thank Dave and Ann Wilson and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication, and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as Power to Change, and our mission is to effectively develop godly families the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Do you want to impact couples in your neighbourhood? Consider joining with us at Power to Change to lead a home builder's couples marriage workshop that focuses on practically applying the truth of scripture to our lives. Email radio at powertochange.org.au or check out our website families.powertochange.org.au under the Helping Couples tab for more information and to get started today. We hope you can join us again on Monday right here for another Family Life Today. Today.